Chapter Eight of the Young Woman's Guide to Excellence by William A. Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bria Snow. Self Command. I was at first disposed to call this chapter Presence of Mind, but for various reasons have I have chosen to call it by another name, that of Self Command. To acquire the art of properly commanding ourselves in all circumstances, especially in the most trying emergencies, and at a moment of danger, when not a minute, perhaps not a second, should be lost, is as difficult as is important to every person, and to none, perhaps, more so than to young women. Not that their trials of this sort will be more frequent than those of other people, but because the usual course of their education is such as to prepare them but poorly to meet those which fall to their lot. It is said that Napoleon was greatly distinguished for the trait of character of which I am now speaking, but there are also numerous examples of self-command in females on record. I will relate one. Some thirty or forty years ago, when the Indians had not yet done making depredations on the inhabitants of our then frontier states kentucky and ohio a band of these savage men came to the door of a house in nelson country kentucky and having shot down the father of the little family within who would incautiously open the door they attempted to rush in and put to death the defenceless and unoffending mother and her children but mrs merrill for that was the name of the heroic woman had much that self-command or presence of mind which was now so needful she drew her wounded husband into the house closed the door and barred it as quickly as possible so that the indians could not enter at once and then proceeded to the defence of her castle and all those in it whom she held dear the indians had so hewed away a part of the door so that they could force themselves in one by one but not rapidly this slow mode of entrance gave mrs m time to dispatch them with an axe and drag them in so that before those who were without were aware of the fate of those inside she had with a little assistance from her husband formed quite a pile of dead bodies within and around the door and even the little children half dead though they at first were with fear had gradually began to recover from their fright the indians finding their party so rapidly disappearing at length began to suspect what was their fate and accordingly gave up their efforts in that direction they now attempted to descend into the house by way of the chimney the united wisdom and presence of mind of the family was again put into requisition and they emptied upon the fire the contents of a feather-bed which brought down half smothered those indians that were in the chimney who were also soon and easily dispatched. The remainder of the party, now very much reduced in numbers, became quite discouraged and concluded it was best to retire. I have not related this story because I suppose any of my readers will ever be tried in this particular manner. Many of them, however, may be placed in circumstances exceedingly trying, and their lives and those of others may depend on a little presence of mind suppose now that mrs m instead of dragging her wounded husband into the house and fastening the door had stood still and screamed or suppose she had fainted or run away what would have been the result we do not know it is true but we know enough of the indian mode of warfare to see that no condition could well be more perilous it cannot be denied that the large share of nervous sensibility which is allotted to the female constitution peculiarly 
unfits women for scenes of blood like that to which i have alluded and yet we see what can be done as a last resort but if most females were fitted for trying emergencies as i doubt not they could be however much better they could meet the more common accidents and dangers to which human existence is daily more or less liable and ought they not to be thus fitted do you ask how item be done this is precisely the question i should expect would be asked by those who have a strong desire for improvement this is a work that is at present chiefly left undone both by parents and teachers and yet hundreds of lives are lost every year for the want of it and hundreds of others are likely to be lost in the same way every year for many years to come unless the work is taken up as a work of importance and studied with as much zeal as grammar or geography or botany or mathematics it is a most pitiable sight to see a young woman twelve fifteen or maybe eighteen years of age left to take care of a babe suffer its clothes to get on fire by some accident and then without the least particle of self-command only to jump up and down and scream until the child is burnt to death or what perhaps is still worse rush out for relief leaving the door wide open to let through a current of air to hasten the work of destruction equally distressing and pitiable it is to see females young or old losing all presence of mind the moment a horse takes fright a gale of wind capsizes the vessel on which they are travelling and by their erratic movements depriving themselves of the only opportunity which remains to them of saving themselves or of assisting to save others but the question recurs can these evils be prevented in what way can our young women be taught or in what way can they be induced to teach themselves the important art of commanding themselves on all occasions and in all emergencies an aged but excellent minister of the gospel with whom i had the honour and the pleasure of being intimately acquainted once said that the only way of being prepared for the sudden accidents of life by being able to keep cool and possess our souls in peace was to think on the subject often and consider what we would do should such and such accidents occur thus we should consider often what we ought to do if a horse in a carriage should run away with us if we should awake and find the house on fire over our heads what to be done if we were in this room or in that etc if our clothes should take fire if we should be burnt or scalded what to be done if scalded with water and what if with milk oil or any other substance if a child should fall into a well be kicked by a horse be seized by convulsions or break or dislocate a limb etc it will be asked i know of what avail it is to think over and over what should be done without the instructions either of experiment or science but we can have these instructions to some extent whenever we seek after them the great trouble is we are not in the habit of seeking for them and what we do not seek we rarely if ever find there are around every young woman those whose judgment is worth something in this matter it is not always the old though it is more generally such there are those who live in the world almost half a century without learning anything and there are also those who become wise in a quarter of a century the wise whatever may be their age are the persons for you to consult and the older such persons are the better because the greater is likely to be their wisdom the truly wise are always growing wiser it is the fool alone who remains stationary 
wise and observing friends will probably tell you or at least relate anecdotes to you from which you may gather the conclusion that when the clothes of a child have caught fire you may often smother the flame by wrapping him instantly in a thick woolen blanket that it is seldom entirely safe to open the doors into an adjoining room at least without great caution when the house which we are in is discovered to be on fire but the best way as a general rule is to escape by the scuttle if there be one or by a ladder by letting ourselves down to the ground if the distance is not too great through the windows this last is often the best way though not always the most expeditious one many sleep with a rope in their bedrooms to tie to the bedpost as a means of letting themselves down should there be occasion while others rely on the bedclothes to make a rope of them by tying several articles together but it was no part of my purpose in this work to direct to the appropriate methods of saving ourselves or our friends from harm in case of accidents or emergencies but only to point to the subject and leave the reader to pursue it the intelligent young woman who sets about gaining the habit of self-command will not only consult the experience of others but observe and reflect and reason on the case herself she will often originate plans and means of escapes in places and circumstances of danger which she would not gain from others in a hundred or a thousand years there is one other means of improvement in the art of self-command on which i do not know that any writer on the subject has dwelt with much earnestness and yet it is as plain and simple as can be it is to make the most of every little accident or emergency that actually overtakes or surprises us i know from personal experience that a great deal may be done in this way there are those who though they were formerly frightened half out of their senses at the sudden sight of a harmless snake have fought themselves by dint of long effort to so much presence of mind as only to start a little at first and be as calm and composed and self-possessed in a few seconds afterwards as if nothing had happened and the same presence of mind may be obtained in other surprises or emergencies besides she who is learning to command herself at sight of a snake or dog is at the same time acquiring the power to command herself in any other circumstances where self-command may be necessary i wish the principle indicated by the last statement were more generally perceived i wish it were distinctly understood that what we want is to gain the habit of self-command in all circumstances rather than to be able to work ourselves up to a proper state of feeling in particular cases and that this habit is to be acquired by frequent familiar conversation on the subject by daily practice in the continually recurring small matters of life it is indeed in governing ourselves in these small matters which recur so frequently and are regarded as so trifling as to have not only no moral character in themselves but no influence in the formation of character that the art to which i am now directing your attention is to be chiefly acquired they who defer the work until some larger or more striking emergency arrives will not be likely to make much progress for they begin at the wrong end of the matter they begin exactly where they ought to end, end of chapter eight